We are on the Gemara in Yil Aleph Amabez in Yevamos on 11b1 in the Art Scroll Gemara. The Gemara just discussed the case of Tzara Sota. And the Gemara said that when it comes to a Tzara Sota, the co wife of one of the, of a sister in law who committed adultery and uh, the husband passed away before he was able to give a divorce document. The law is that they would have to get divorced, but he passed away before the divorce document. Before he gave a get, and uh, the question is, does the co-wife also have yibum or not? And the law is that uh, the co-wife is also exempt uh, from yibum, not just the sister-in-law who was an adulteress, but also the co-wife. And the reason for this is because it says in that context, it says the word tum'ah, uh, that uh, that is the same language that's used with regards to the arayas, with regards to the... Uh, family relationships which are forbidden and so there's a connection between the two to tell us also that the co-wife is also exempt just like we have the 15 cases in the Mishnah in which uh, there's an exemption from Yibam or Chalitza so too with regards to uh, an adulteress what the Gemara was last discussing was what happens if you have a case where it's what we call a Suffolk Sota it's questionable whether or not she committed adultery we have reason to be concerned we're just we, we think that she might have uh, uh, had an affair because she was secluded alone with a person whom the, the husband said that you're not allowed to... You, you, he told, warned his wife that you shouldn't be alone with him and she went against his warning. That we know for sure uh, through, two, through two witnesses. Uh, but we don't know if there was an actual affair or not. And so that's the question. And the Gemara says that we would have to do chalitza. She would, she would do chalitza... We were not, you would not be allowed to do Yibam. We wouldn't be allowed to marry. The brother-in-law wouldn't be allowed to marry her. Again, the cases where the brother passes away before uh, he's able to give a divorce document, they would, ha- they would have to get divorced in such a scenario. Uh, but he passes away before he gave a divorce, a get, a divorce document. And then the, uh, the law is that the live brother would not do Yibam, but would have to do Chalitza because it's, it's very different than the previous case. The previous case is where we know for sure we have two witnesses uh, to prove that there was an affair. But we don't have that in this case, and so therefore we do chalitza. The Gemara is now going to ask that, well, the whole reason behind this, the whole reason why it comes to a, in a, a case of certainty is because the Torah uses the language of tum'ah, of defilement, which is found also with regards to the forbidden family relationships. And the Gemara is going to ask that it seems to be that that word tum'ah is also found in the context of a suffix sota, of a situation where we are just concerned. We don't have two witnesses, but we're concerned based on the circumstances that there was an affair. And that same language seems to be used also in that context. The Gemara is going to end up rejecting that and say that it's not found within that context. But at least the Gemara now right now is going to ask a question saying that it is found in that context. That language is also found in that context. And the way that it's, the, the Gemara introduces this is really from a different law. It's from a, it's found within the verses of the verse of a different law within the pasuk of a different law, and that law is what we call machzir grushaso. The law of machzir grushaso is that if a person gets divorced, if a woman gets divorced uh, from her first husband, so she's allowed to remarry her first husband. It's it's permissible for her to remarry her first husband unless uh, unless the husband is a kohen, but that's for other reasons. A kohen. Uh, is not allowed to marry any divorcee, uh, not just his own wife, but any divorcee. Uh, but if you have a case where they get divorced, so then she's allowed to remarry her her first husband. However, 
if she marries somebody else in the interim, so then she's not allowed to then go ahead and go back to marry her first husband. That is that is a, ne- a violation of a negative commandment, that if she got divorced and then she marries somebody else, then she's not allowed to go back if, if in that second marriage, if the husband passes away, or they get divorced in that second marriage, so then she's not allowed to go back to her first husband. That is a negative commandment. So within that verse, within that context, it uses the language of Tumah. It does use the language of Tumah, that there was some sort of uh, Tumah defilement. Um, and the question is, when it uses that language, what is that exactly referring to? Uh, and there are two opinions, as we're going to see in the Gemara. One opinion is Rabbi Yossi ben Kefar, and he says that that's referring to just what we've been discussing, the, what the, what the Pasuk, what the verse is referring to, which is the case of Machzor Grushaso. And we're going to see that according to Rabbi Yossi ben Kefar, that it's coming to tell us that the only time that there's a prohibition is if in that second marriage, they not only got engaged, but they also got married, and they also, uh, within that context of marriage, is that they had uh, marital relations. And until they until they do that, until they get engaged, then married, and then they have marital relations. So once they do that, so then it's and then they that second marriage they get divorced or the husband passes away. So then there's a prohibition to go back to the first husband. But if that didn't happen, if all they did was get engaged, so then there wouldn't be a prohibition. Again, we're talking about a halachic engagement. The halachic engagement today it happens really five minutes before the actual marriage. It happens all in a Jewish wedding. It happens all together. But it used to be that there would be a, a, a significant time period between the halachic engagement and the halachic marriage. Uh, during that halachic engagement, they wouldn't be living together in the same home. Um, so it would be, it would be uh, very different than the actual marriage. Um, and that's the opinion of Rabbi Yisrael Kefar. And therefore, the word Tumah is really about Machzor Grushasa. It's really about that case of returning back to the first husband after you had a second marriage. Uh, but the Chachamim argue, the Chachamim say that no, the Tumah is really taken out of context of that verse of Machzor Grushaso, and it's really referring to to our case of Sota, which is why we're bringing this whole case in. It's really referring to the case of Sota, of where it's uh, an, of an adulteress, and the Gemara is going to assume that we're dealing with a suffix Sota, a, it's a case of concern, a case of where we're concerned, but not a case of where we have two actual witnesses. And as such, the Gemara is asking that the word Tum'ah, at least the Gemara's assumption, they're going to reject this, but the word Tum'ah is referring to a case where it's a suffix sota, where it's, uh, we, we are concerned that she had an affair, but we don't actually know that she had an, affor- an affair. And that's, that's the Gemara's question, because if the same word Tum'ah applies even in the case of a suffix sota, of just of a concern that she had an affair, so then the same law should apply that there's no yibam and no chalitza. We shouldn't have anything. We shouldn't have yibam or chalitza. And that's what the Gemara is about to ask right now. So let's see this in the Gemara. The Gemara asks, Umashna sota vadai mishim sota Why is it that when it comes to a case where we know for sure that she had an affair, that we say that if the husband passes away before he's able to give a divorce document, before he's able to give a get, that we say that there's no yibam or chalitza, and why is it that when it's just a sota suffix, where it's questionable whether or not uh, she had an affair, where we say that you do do chalitza, but the word tumma is found in both places, and tumma, the word tumma is really the source for this entire idea. How do we know? The Tanya, it's taught in a brisa, and now we get into these ideas of mafzir, of the prohibition to return back to your first husband if you, went, if you had a second marriage. 
Rabbi Yossi ben Kefar, Omer Mishum Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi Yossi ben Kefar says, the extra, the, the phrase of hutma, of defilement, is coming to teach us according to Rabbi Yosef and Kiefer, the first opinion, that the only time that there's this prohibition to return back to your first husband is if you actually get married. If in your second marriage you actually get married, not just engaged. If all you got was engaged, if all it was was just engagement, so then you're allowed to return back to your first husband after, after there's a divorce or the death of the second husband. The Chachamim, however, the Chachamim say, no, whether or not you got engaged or whether you got married, even if you just got in the second, with the second husband, all it was was an engagement, so then it's also forbidden to return back to your, uh, to, to go back to that first husband. So what, because he uses Achari Hutma, that phrase, for a different purpose. The language of Hutma is coming to teach us a totally different law. Nothing to do with the case of Malchus Rushaso of returning back to your first husband after you, after you got divorced and married a second husband. It's really, it's, it's, that phrase is, is being used for something which is out of context of that verse. And it's there to teach you about Sota Shinistra. The Bryce says Sota Shinistra. Sota Shinistra literally means a Sota who was secluded with another man. But, and that seems to imply that secluded means, uh, that we don't have any witnesses to say that there was an actual affair. That implies that we're dealing with a case of a suffix sota, of a of that there's concern that there was an affair because they were secluded after a warning. So that that seems to imply that the word tum'ah is within that context as well. And that's the question of the Gemara. That's why the Gemara brings this down. Because it seems to imply that the word tum'ah is found both in the context of... Uh, of of Sota Vada, where we know we have two witnesses that there was an affair, and even in the context where the the, the wife was just secluded after warning, after there was a warning not to be with that person, um, and that's just a case of what we call suffix Sota, where it's we are concerned that, that there was an affair, and the same word Tuma seems to be in that case, used in that case. So the Gemara answers, no, my Nistra, when we say Nistra, when they were secluded, it just means nivola. It just means, it really means that we know that they had uh, sexual relations, that there was an affair. So why did the Brysa use the language of Nistra? Nistra literally means that they were just secluded. So the Gemara answer is, it's just a, a better language. It's a cleaner language. We, the Brysa didn't want to use, didn't want to say outright that there was there was an affair, uh, so they wanted to use a, a cleaner language, a better language. Uh, so And so that's why I used it. But really, the point of our Gemara is to say that really the word Tumah is not found in the context of a suffix sota, of a, of a question, whether, if it's questionable whether or not there's an affair. Uh, really, it's found when we have witnesses. We really know that they, there was an actual affair, which, it, which is by... Sota vada. That's that's discussing a case where we know that there there was an affair. So that rejects uh, the question. We we've rejected. We've answered the question to say that really no, the the word tuma does not is not found in the context of just a concern that there was an affair. Which is why, just in the end of the day, which is why when it comes to a, a suffix sota, uh, whether when we we are concerned that there was an affair because they were secluded after warning. So then the halacha is that the brother if, should do chalitza. If the husband passes away before giving a get, 
So then the brother does chalitza, but if it's a sotavadai, if we know that there was an affair, so then there is no yibum or chalitza, because that's where we do find the word tumah in the end of the day. So the Gemara just asks one question on this explanation that tumah is referring to uh, a case of where there was the two witnesses that saw the affair. So the Gemara asks, vinistra so the Gemara asks that we already find that language of Tuma elsewhere, referring to a Sota Vadai, uh, where we know that there was an affair. So why would we say that the language of Tuma here, in, in the verse that we're discussing, is also referring to the same case? We already have that elsewhere. And the Gemara answers to tell us that you violate a negative commandment, meaning as follows. Elsewhere, it's in the, in the context in the context of a positive commandment, of the violation of a positive commandment, it says that if we know for sure, if we know with certainty that uh, the wife uh, was an adulteress, that she had an affair, so then elsewhere it says that it's a violation of a positive commandment to remain with, with, uh, with the husband. Uh, that's a violation of a positive commandment. And then this verse, the verse that we're discussing, is to tell us that not only is she in violation of a positive commandment, but they are in violation of also a negative commandment as well. And that's what this verse is coming to add to it and say that there are really two violations here. There's a positive commandment and there's also a violation of a negative commandment. Now, according to Rabbi Yosef ben Kifar, the Gemara just wants to explain, Rabbi Yosef ben Kifar, Rabbi Yosef ben Kifar, he was the first opinion. Again, there were two opinions in the Brisa, whether or not the, the word Tumah in the context of Machzir Grushasa, in the context of uh, when you when a when a woman uh, is divorced from her first husband and then marries a second husband and then the husband either divorces her they get divorced or he passes away that there's a prohibition to return back to the first husband so there was a machlokas there was a dispute whether the word tuma is in that context in that verse is referring to the same case of Machzir Grushasa or whether it's referring to a case of a sota. Of it's really taken out of context and it's really referring to a case of an affair. And according to Rabbi Yosef and Kefar, it's really, it's not referring to the case of a sota. The reason why it's not referring to a case of a sota is because the language of the, of the Pasuk, the language of the verse seems to imply that we're discussing an actual marriage, not an affair, but an actual marriage because it uses language that, that, that is, is used in the context of a marriage. So just in the end of the day, According to Rabbi Yosef ben Kefar, the word Tumah is in the context of the Pasuk itself. It's in the context of Magzir Grushasa. It's there to tell me that the prohibition to marry your first husband after you got divorced and you married a second husband is only if you actually got married, not just engaged, but there was an actual marriage with marital relations. So only in that context is there a prohibition to go to go back to your first husband. Rabbi Yosef ben Kefar holds that as well, that there in the context of Sota, in the context where we know that there was an affair, a, a different context, that there's a violation of a positive commandment, but it's not a violation of a negative commandment, because the context of this negative commandment is, has nothing to do with Sota, according to Rabbi Yosef and Kefar. However, the Chachamim, the other opinion, the Chachamim, they argue, and they say that the word Tumah is not, is not about Machzir Grushasa. It's not about the case of returning back to your first husband. The word Tumah is about the case of Sota, where we know that there was an affair, and it's there to tell me that you are in violation of both a positive commandment, and then this verse is coming to add on, that it's also, in addition to that, you also violate a negative commandment.
And so these are the two opinions about well, the word tuma in this in this verse that's discussing machzir grushaso, the violation to return back to your first husband after marrying a second husband. So is that referring to that word tuma? Is that referring to the case of the verse of machzir grushaso, or is it referring to really a totally different case of uh, a situation where there was an affair? And the reason why uh, we're stressing all this is because the next because of the next question of the Gemara. This really concludes. Uh, the whole discussion of Tzara Sota, of the case of an adulteress, and whether or not there's Yibam or Chalitza in that case of, of an adulteress who was supposed to get divorced, but the husband passed away before he was able to give a get. The Gemara now is going to ask a totally new question. What happens in the following case? What happens if you have a scenario where... The uh, husband and wife got divorced. The wife went and married a second husband. And then the husband either passed away or they got divorced. And now she violates the Torah. She goes against the Torah and she marries her first husband. Now it's viewed as a legal marriage because it's an ordinary negative. It's It's a negative commandment. And so it is viewed as a legal marriage. But it's not allowed by the Torah. She violated the Torah. It's not allowed. So the question is... Do we require Yim Rechalitza? And the Gemara asks specifically also with regards to the co-wife. When it comes to the co-wife, do we, do we say that there's Yibam or Chalitza? So the Gemara says it really depends on the dispute that we just had, on the Machlokas between Rabbi Yossi ben Kefar and the Chachamim. Again, with, the, with regards to that dispute between Rabbi Yossi ben Kefar and the Chachamim, there was a question, does the word Tumah apply to Mahzir Grushasa, to this case of where you return back to the first husband, or not. According to Rabbi Yosef and Kefar, it is, the word Tuma is referring to that case. If it's referring to that case, so then there's good reason to say that uh, that there's a complete exemption of Yibam Rechalitza, even with regards to the co-wives, because the word Tuma, that's the same word that's found with regards to the family relationships, where we say that there's no Yibam Rechalitza for anybody, for, for any of the co-wives. According to the Chachamim, however, the word Toma is not with regards to Magzir Gushasa, it's for something else. And then uh, there's good reason to say that the co-wife would have to do uh, Yibam or Chalitza. So the Gemara says as follows, According to Rabbi Yosef ben Kefar, at least in this version, we're going to have two versions to the question. We'll just read the question. In this first version of the question, for Rabbi Yosef ben Kefar, there's no question. Rabbi Yosef ben Kefar, since according to Rabbi Yosef the word Toma is found in this context of Machzir Grushaso, of going back to your first husband, so then it's clear that the Tzara is also completely, the co-wife is completely exempt. Ah, the Gemara says, but the verse says, Toeva he, that it's an, it's an abomination for her, for, for the wife to go back to the, to the first husband. That might, maybe that implies that uh, it's not an abomination for the co-wife to be involved in this relationship, meaning with the brother. The Gemara says, no, it's not really referring to the tzara, it's not referring to the co-wife, it's not a limitation on the co-wife, it's a limitation on the children. But the whole question here might be only according to the Chachamim, who say that Tumah is not. Talking about Ma'achsir we say according to the Chachamim that Toma, the word Toma is talking about, it's talking about out of context. Well, okay, it's true, it's talking about out of context. It's a law which we're using out of context. But the actual context of the Torah is talking about Machzir Grushaso. 
The actual context of the, of the Torah is talking about a case of going back to your, your first husband. And so do we actually say that the word Tumah is only with regards to uh, the, the, the law that we're applying it to and it's not used for the actual literal verse itself? Or do we say that, no, it's also referring to the verse itself? So the question is, according to the Chamim, Tumah, the word Tumah, the law is used for, it's, it's, the word is used for a different law, but the actual verse itself is referring to Machzir Grushasa, this case of returning back to your first husband. So, and that's the qu- question of the Gemara, according to this version. According to the Rabbanan, according to the Chachamim, who say that the word Tumah is out of context, but in the end of the day, it's found within the verse of Machzir Grushasa, so do we say that there's a complete exemption or not? Now we'll just read... We're above 20 minutes, but we'll just read quickly the second version of the question. The second version of the question is really flipping it. Ikadamri, there are those who read the question as follows. The whole question is not according to the Chachamim. According to the Chachamim, the word Tamah is not in the context of Machzir so of returning back to the first husband. The whole question is according to Rabbi Yossi ben Kefar. The exact opposite. The whole question is according to Rabbi Yossi ben Kefar, my... According to Rabbi Yosef ben Kefar, the word Tumah is found by Machzir Grushaso. So it makes sense to say, do we say that uh, there's a complete exemption because the word Tumah is found in this case of where you turn back to the first husband? Or do we say that no? As we pointed out before, the verse also says Toeva Hi. It's an abomination for her, for the wife. Maybe that's coming to tell us that the co-wife should still be involved in this relationship, even with regards to the brother. Maybe there's a there's a a uh, there's a drasha. There's a there's an the the, the limitation of the fact that the verse says toevehi to tell us that only the wife, uh, the the uh, the one that returned back to the first marriage. So that wife, there's an exemption from yibum uh, or chalitza, but not for the co-wife. And so that's the question of the Gemara, and in the next recording we will uh, discuss the answer.